Hi everyone, welcome back to Fast Charge. I'm your host Dom. I'm joined this week by two of our stalwarts. We got Toddy and Lewis on the line. And we also have David from Macworld, who's making a sort of special guest appearance, I guess you could say, because we are going to talk Macs, first things first. Uh, obviously, Apple announced its new M1 chip uh, in a flashy November live stream event packed with numbers and bold claims that rankled PC enthusiasts worldwide. Uh, once we're through the M1 chip, we are going to turn to today's kind of disappointing news that Google Photos is changing how it handles free storage. I know it's not a phone, but I think this is the way pretty much anyone with an Android phone is backing up their photos online. So this actually is going to affect a lot of people, potentially. Uh, and finally, we are going to turn to the question of what would make the perfect phone. We are going to craft each of us, I think, some sort of horrifying Frankenstein monster of a device, cribbing parts from different manufacturers. Uh, David will probably just say the iPhone 12 or something. I don't know. But we'll. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't want to throw David under the bus too soon. Uh, we'll get to that as we go. Uh, first things first. Uh, Apple. So yeah, we got a November event, the third autumn event from Apple this year which still kind of blows my mind. And I'm still worried there's a December one coming. <laughs> you know, there's a little niggling thing at the back of my head that they're just going to turn around and say, oh, yeah, one more, one more thing, uh, you know, December 9th. Um, but no, we had a Mac-focused event where uh, they revealed the chip that they talked about at WWDC, the M1, which is the first ARM-based MacBook chip, or Mac chip, I should say, made or designed by Apple in-house, based at least partly on the A14 Bionic, which is what's in the new iPhones. Um, and I think in general, just sort of what they've learned from making their iPhone and iPad chips for quite a while. Uh, we got news of a MacBook Air and a MacBook Pro and a Mac Mini that are all going to run this chip and are all available to order right now in shops next week. And Apple really talked this thing up. Uh, I think the biggest claim they made that I know our colleagues at PC World already took issue with is they said that the, I think it was the MacBook Pro running the, the M1 is faster than 98% of Windows laptops sold this year, uh, which is, you know, huge if true, right? This has got to be, that was purely a move to get people talking more about the M1 chips. And that's the only reason I think that slide was in the presentation at all. Mm. It, it's very it much yeah yeah well i mean i'm sure yeah. there's depending on like if you look at it through apple's very specific lens i'm sure there is some like merit to the claim they can just throw out random numbers mm -hmm. i'd hope um but yeah <laughs> i imagine the the main reason for that slide being in there just like when apple always likes to talk about like how many devices have upgraded to the latest version of ios versus android mm. like well and i was like this 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 event also saw the more thing, the end of it was the return of the PC guy. Um, oh, yeah. This felt, you know, it, it felt very consciously like this was Apple kind of making a return to the days when it was a bit more adversarial with Microsoft and Windows, which hasn't happened for a while. And, and when they were running the same components, it was harder for it to make those kind of claims about, oh, you know, MacBooks are faster because, well, I can get the same specs in a Windows device for less. And mm -hmm. it was really just software that differentiated them plus, you know, premiumness of design, I guess. Um, but now they're on their own silicon. They get to go back to saying, well, our hardware's special, our hardware's different. And so they get to, uh, it's kind of nice in a way that they are going back to that, okay, yeah, Apple is different to a Windows device. It's a wholly different thing. And of course, their line is, it's an entirely better thing. I do like the punchiness. I like the return of that. Yeah. I think it's worth saying, but does anybody like Mac? guy more than pc guy like i noticed i was, I was waiting for justin long to appear yeah they right. didn't bring him back it's because yeah. nobody likes him everybody prefers <laughs> the pc guy mm. you remember when they did it in um they did it in england and they got um mitchell and webb to do it yes and, um, basically playing their characters from peep show and everybody hates Jess. That's <laughs> <Peep> <laughs> jeremy is awful <laughs> i thought it was a great show though that's such a good yeah. casting yeah um, yeah, the, the ninety-eight percent thing is really interesting because they used it in relation to the MacBook Air. Oh, was the like, Air they were talking about, right? 
Well, it, yeah, it's because I've checked the, checked the press release and they use it in relation to the MacBook Air. So they say the exact sentence is in MacBook Air, the M1, the M1 mm -hmm. is faster. They're not saying the MacBook Air is faster. <laughs> like, in MacBook yeah. Air, the M1 is faster than 98% of PC laptops uh, sold in the last year. And then you look down at the footnote and it says that they did the testing in the MacBook Pro. So the MacBook Air doesn't mm -hmm. really what? have anything to do with the claim. It's, it's really bizarre. It's sort of fair enough because the M1 chip is the same in the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, and they both have the same amount of RAM and the rest of it, so it yeah. shouldn't make a difference. But it's a bit of an odd way of phrasing it. Like if it is the same, you think you just tested both. It does feel like they're still skirting around one of the worries I had watching the presentation, and I'm very curious to see when people get these things in for benchmarks, which is what's the difference between the Air and the Pro in terms of performance? They've got different builds. There's questions like one has a touch bar, one doesn't. They come in slightly different setups of RAM and storage options and slightly different prices. But the Pro has fans, the Air doesn't. And it's the Pro, not the Air. So on some level, you expect the Pro to run fast. So presumably those fans means it can run at sort of high performance for longer whereas the air might start to throttle. So maybe the air will be just as fast when you're just browsing the web or something. But if you wanted to edit a video and it is rendering for a long period of time, maybe it will throttle because it overheats. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those interesting things. There was nothing in that presentation where they said the pro is faster than the air or the pro is, you know, does it, they didn't really explain to the average viewer why the pro, you know, what the pro does that the air doesn't, I guess. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about that at all. I was looking at it, I was thinking, I want the MacBook Air. Yeah. But they didn't yeah. sell to me the idea that the Pro is is important. They didn't seem to be speaking to no. the Pro audience. Well, Unless also, you really love the touch bar, I don't see what the Pro offers for £300 more. I, I think they're both, uh, on both the Air and the Pro, it's Thunderbolt 4 and the USB 4. Yep. Is that right? It's is it just two ports on both the Pro and the Air? Yeah, the, the Pro is just two USB-C ports on one side, That's which mad. is not a Pro. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're getting as portless as the iPhones are going to be soon. Like, that's, yeah. that's nuts. Well, I'm pretty uh, sure that's less ports than the current MacBook Pro has. Yes. Yeah, yeah you can buy the Intel one with four, I know, still. Yeah, yeah. The Intel just... ones, are, I think, two on each side, right? Whereas yeah. this is just, it drops the two from one side. Uh, especially annoying to have them both on the same side rather than one on each, because people were pointing out, it means like you can only charge into one side and things yeah. like that. That was the problem with um, the, uh, one of the MacBook Airs that I reviewed, because you could only charge it on the left-hand side, and it's such a pain. And that's one of the good things, yeah, about the MacBook, is that you've got those two yeah. USB-C ports on the sides that and of course that you know i don't want to sound like i'm like ragging on apple this is a common the loads of windows laptops you can only charge on one side but it is one of the little things that's kind of like a nice convenience it's like oh, any of these ports will charge my device and it's kind of odd it definitely feels like it detracts a bit from the proness of the pro but mm -hmm. um i guess we're expecting a 16 inch model to turn up at some point with uh maybe there's a lot of rumors they're working on a discrete gpu or something or we'll get an m1x or an m1z chip that's Faster, has more cores. I don't know. Maybe even a well, USB port. <laughs> <laughs> if they could stretch to it, there's meant to be a whole bunch of new Macs coming around the corner. They think that the yeah. iMac could be the next M1 uh, Mac to come out. But yeah, I think a 16-inch MacBook Pro is on the horizon as well. Um, yeah, the iMac this makes sense because you can do a consumer-facing iMac that doesn't need the sort of GPU in or the souped-up. You know, if they ran, if they put out an iMac was that was the same power as a 13-inch MacBook Pro, that would seem reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, so. It, as ever with these things, it's really hard to know who they were speaking to. Um, mm. There was no, essentially no pro audience being spoken to. I've got a horrible feeling somebody's about to come into the room. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the creaking of the door. <laughs> the end of day of a horror film, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I, I, I did enjoy was I saw, I think afterwards, there was a, a promo image of the Mac Mini, because there's also a Mac Mini with an M1 yes. that's coming. Yeah. Uh, and it was sat underneath their, is it XDR display? Yeah. yeah. And so someone made the point that the... Um, the stand for the display costs more than the Mac Mini that yep. sits beneath it, which I think is just bananas, <laughs> but awesome because that kind of I guess highlights just how capable the M1 chip is in a weird way. The you know it can it can support that high-res display, that high-fidelity display, mm. um, 
at a fairly low price point. And it was like, they talked about 8K video editing or something like that. Or no, 4K video editing, sorry, on the MacBook Air. Yeah. Multi yeah or something. Multi-stream program. Stream, yeah, Multi-stream exactly. 4K. Which is really solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got to test the stuff they're saying, obviously, but yeah. everything they've said sounds amazing. And it genuinely sounds like these are going to be incredibly powerful devices for what they do. Um, but also, also power efficiency. So they they've, yes. they've oh, yeah. done that. They've done that compromise. Like we were talking about this in advance. The change from Intel to Apple Silicon, um, and how they would basically have the choice of do they want to make battery life longer on the laptops or do they want to get more more speed? And they and they split the difference. They've gone half and half. Yeah. Um, and it, that's what I'm excited about is the MacBook Air having a sort of five hour longer estimated battery life. Totally. It's, usually transformative in the way you can actually use it. Because so, um, if yeah. you look at ARM um, architecture, like Windows laptops, you can get some that are actually even more power efficient than this. It's, you know, the sort of Qualcomm, Windows and Snapdragon laptops often tout 25 going up to 30 hour battery lives, but they are much less powerful than what Apple's talking about. And it definitely feels like on Windows kind of, you've mostly had to pick between one or the other, like power from an Intel or battery life from Qualcomm. Um, AMD slightly tried to thread that needle a bit. They've managed to get better power efficiency without compromising on performance. But yeah, Apple seems to have absolutely smashed it out of the park on that front. But there's also a lot more, from what I understand, compatibility issues still with, with Windows running on those those kinds yes. of chips. Yes. Where obviously Apple being Apple, they, they've already, I think they said in, in this latest presentation, they've already updated all the Mac, like their own official first party Mac apps yep. to run natively. Uh, with M1, and then they've got uh, David. Is it is it Rosetta? Yeah. Is that the software that helps the emulation? Yeah. 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 So I, I I have high hopes that yeah the experience just moving to this new architecture is going to be pretty painless for long term Mac users. I think painless might be optimistic, really? but less painful than it is on Windows. It seems like probably the fair like way it's going to shake out. Uh, but also, you know, we've got, it, we've got... I'll say another big feature is the fact that you can play iPhone and iPad games on, on the Mac for the first time. But there's still no touch screen, so but it's pointless. <laughs> Why would I want to navigate an iPhone app with my mouse? Maybe you can move like left and right just with the touch bar on the Pro. Just, just not <laughs> without, but just left and right. <laughs> I think that if they implement a similar thing to what they do on the iPad, where you've got the cursor, but it shifts uh, when it gets to like a touch, a touch button or something like that, it kind of shifts around the entire button. So mm. it's kind of more. It's it's kind of a, a nice middle middle kind of thing between mm. touchscreen and mouse control. And I feel like yeah, that would be pretty easy to port over to Mac. But yeah, like you say, it's, it's I'm really interested to see how they do it because not everything on the App Store is going to translate to a nice no. mouse experience. And and some things will be fine. Like we've praised in the past the Huawei laptops that let you mirror your phone screen to your to your laptop, and then you would navigate that with your mouse and keyboard. Um, and that's fine, but it's really more of a just, okay, I'm just going into WhatsApp and typing out a message. It's not, I would never try and really use my phone comprehensively like that. No. And to be fair, I'm sure that's really the line Apple are going to mostly take is you get those specific apps you want to have access to on your, on your big screen or with right. a keyboard. And so I did notice in, on one of their examples was Among Us. The iPhone app, yeah, so that was was one of their Mac ones. So I'm the curious. games made me a bit like, uh, yeah. So I'm a bit like, how's that going to work? Because obviously it's not going to have keyboard inputs if it's an iPhone game. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, this is one of the things that we're going to have to work out over the you know coming mm. months. Well, do you, do you think the M1 was the last hurdle for Apple trying to really unite how the iPad and iPad OS? Uh, behaves with Mac OS and, and kind of like the cross talk between the two because I feel like that that is now going to be easier than ever to kind of unite those experiences mm. and those devices. Yeah, that's something they've been working on for a long time. Mm. Um, they, it's something that they they've held it sort of at arm's length. It's one of those questions they keep getting, and they they're clearly shifting the two platforms closer and closer together. But they always say no, no, no. But they are separate. <laughs> um, so I don't know if they'll ever completely make the plunge, but sure. Yeah, I, I think mean, there's that... definitely I think there's a, a, a case for this that if you sort of um, spent thirty pounds on civilization on on the iPad or something, um, you you would probably feel like you're entitled to play the um, the Mac version as well. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are like this. I, I think there will be headaches and I think there will be problems. I think what we could see is something like the Surface, where when it's in its kind of desktop mode, you've got access to full Mac OS, but then if you kind of pull out all the accessories and you have it as a tablet, it kind of shifts into iPad OS. That'd be a nice thing to see. Yeah.
But I think it would have to, you know, it would have to have one of the desktop chips and not the A series chip. But I don't think that's that could be too outrageous. Mm. Though I think what partly what I'm really interested to see is on the sort of cross-platform benchmarks, how much the M1 is a step up from those mobile chips because architecturally they are fairly similar. Yeah. Um, and actually, I was reading on I think it was Anantech um, today. They did a big uh, benchmarking test of the last few A series iPhone things up against like actual desktop um, Intel and AMD processors, and we're finding it you know was beating some top spec Intel computer processors at, at specific tasks and even across the board kind of holding its own. So like I think there's a bit of a bit of a sense of we've kind of underestimated how powerful how powerful something is. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening to the audio version, you got the whole story. <laughs> Sorry, everyone on the stream. I know, you yeah, completely got that. Whilst, whilst Dom is having that thought. Back. He's, <laughs> he's back. back. No, he's back, everyone. Don't panic. <laughs> How powerful what was, Dom? What we must know. Oh, God, what was I saying? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> five sentences since then. <laughs> <laughs> just went on for it. There was a whole spiel you guys missed. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, they're, they're, they're just comparing the... Uh, uh, A40, A14 and previous A-series chips against desktop processors and finding they, it was a comfortable match. So yeah. I don't know how much the M1 is necessarily actually a jump from those so much as just something that's been, you know, modified a bit to suit a computer environment better. Yeah, yeah I, I am wondering, obviously, because now it's a full-on SOC so that the RAM is now, the memory is now on the chip. Uh, whether that's going to roll a lot of, MacBook users because I know like that was one of the few parts of a MacBook that people did typically try and upgrade, especially mm. if they had the machine for like a few years. Mm. Um, like I use a 2015 MacBook Air. I haven't upgraded the RAM, but I, I could theoretically if I really needed to. Um, obviously, that option is being taken away. I don't know if that's like a big deal or not. Depends, I guess, who you ask. I don't know if I don't know if upgradability is a huge thing for the average mm. Mac user. Mm. Um, it will annoy it will annoy a niche of people, but the majority it won't. But what I think is a bigger thing is that the RAM is capped at 16 gig. Um, you get eight, eight as default and 16 is the maximum, even on I believe even on the Pro, yeah. which is Whoa. which is quite low. Um, which speaks again to what we were saying about what what do Pro users get out of this particular presentation, which seems like not a great deal. It wasn't really speaking to them, I don't think so. I've got to be honest, the more I think about it, because one of the other things is uh, there's no eGPU support anymore either. That's mm -hmm. gone. So you throw in that, Ooh. you throw in the capped RAM at 16, lack of upgradability. The 13-inch Pro is the least Pro-feeling MacBook Pro we've had in a long time. Like The Air looks like an amazing consumer laptop. Yeah. The Pro also looks like an amazing consumer laptop for people who basically look at the Air and say, yeah, but I don't mind one that's a little heavier because it's got a little more power, at least through the fan, so it can stay powerful and has the touch bar, because maybe you're a weirdo who really likes the touch bar. I don't know. Someone out the must. Um, but that feels like the market for that. It feels like a consumer laptop, despite the name, you know, other than very specific. You know, I'm not saying you can't work on it, but pro in the sense of like, this is for graphic designers, this is for effects artists. It doesn't feel like that at all anymore. Exactly. But the word pro has become slightly i would say slightly devalued at apple recently mm. oh yeah I, I, I can't remember who it was who was saying this to me it might have been you lewis that was saying that the 12 pro uh, the iphone 12 pro i should say um doesn't feel particularly pro compared to the iphone 12 which is which is fine i know you re i know you reviewed the iphone 12 very positively lewis and i i gave it a higher score than the 12 pro because i think oh, the yeah. difference is as well on the flip side the pro in the phone line, i feel like as you were saying, like the, the, the term pro in the mobile space generally is completely devalued. Um, yeah. It's just a, just marketing. Um, I'd say these pro iPhones more than ever, and I don't want to get into it too much, um, they have such niche features now that I feel like, you know, if you're a long-term iPhone user and you want that, you know, uh, Dolby Vision, high mm. bit rate, color, low light video performance and, and all that kind of stuff, then that's so geeky at this stage that yeah i feel like you do have to kind of really want to continue using that in some capacity beyond just like tiktok videos 
I don't know. So, so they're the, the pro term actually makes more sense to me this generation than previous generation iPhones, whereas it's the opposite now with the Mac Air versus the MacBook Pro, sorry, MacBook Air versus MacBook Pro. Mm. I kind of see that pro in the sense of being niche and techie, not just yeah. more powerful. Like Sony's Xperia Pro, which is not even a consumer device, period. Yeah. It's just an industry device, but it's pretty much the Xperia 1, 2 with better 5G. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So I think we'll move on from that for now. But uh, we are hopefully going to get some of these these new Macs in. There's, I think, a, just to reiterate, there's an Air, a 13-inch Pro, and a Mac Mini. Mm -hmm. We're going to hopefully get a look at them. And I'm really keen to actually see some benchmarks from us and from other people and see how these stack up. Because yeah, if, if Apple's numbers are true, then this is going to hugely shake up the industry and kind of puts the pressure on the laptop chips uh, from Intel and AMD for the Windows side. You know, on that on the Microsoft side, you've got to you've got to think Microsoft is now going to be pressuring them to say, "Hey, we need something to still say Windows is is top of the game." Uh, but yeah, going from that to then Apple's sort of other big rival in a different direction, uh, Google, which has this week. Uh, just today for us, I think it may, maybe it was yesterday in the States, uh, announced changes to the way it handles Google Photos, which up until now has given people unlimited free photo storage as long as they use the high quality setting rather than original quality, which was absolutely fine for the vast majority of people. Uh, as of next June, they are at least giving us like a six, seven month buffer. As of next June, that will no longer be the case. Those photos will apply to the 15 gigabyte free storage that Google gives you. Um, they were a little misleading about some of this. They kind of said, oh, we're giving everyone 15 gig of free storage. And actually that's not the case. It's the 15 gig that's already tied to your Google account. So if you've used Gmail for years, you might have already filled most of that 15 gig. Or Google up. Drive. And Google Drive. And they've also just made the change that a lot of Google Drive formats are now gonna to count to them as well, like uh, Sheets documents and, and the PowerPoint equivalent, I can't remember the name of. Um, so actually, the, a lot of people who've maybe been in the Google ecosystem for a while might suddenly hit next June and discover they're going to rapidly run out of photo storage and maybe have to stop paying. Uh, I've been hovering at 98% of my 100 gigs that I already pay for of Google storage for about a year now. Yeah, it, I'm also <laughs> on the 100 gig and this news just made me go look at my storage and I was at like 85, 90. Yeah. They have a couple of good tools for clearing out big files. So I did then clear it back down to 75%. But, um, but you know, to show like where some of that storage can come from, partly for me, I think almost 50 gigabytes of that is Gmail. Um, I've been wow. on Gmail for... I guess 20 years now, coming up on 20 years. Wow. Uh, I've got all my emails in there. I don't really delete anything, but I know I'm a weird exception there. I'm not suggesting that's a typical use case, but like it builds up, right? Oh yeah. I think for me, there's always been, because uh, when when Google first, first came out, you know, you had uh, iCloud for, for, you know, for iPhone users anyway. And it was always mm. like, well, why should I use iCloud when I can get Google Photos for free? And there was always the argument, well, uh, you know, you have to pay for iCloud storage, but then Apple doesn't abuse your privacy while doing hmm. so. And that I've always felt like the kind of uh, uh, what you had to agree to if you're using Google's free storage. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, do you know what? If I'm getting unlimited storage, fine. You can, you <laughs> can use my photos to build up a better algorithm of me or whatever, but I want my free storage. Uh, now you're not getting free storage anymore. And I bet they're not going to stop taking a look at what's in your photos anytime soon. So no. what are we getting out of it now? You are getting the great search tool which is still the best around, but admittedly just comes because they're looking at all your photos. Exactly. I mean, but, I, um... I, 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 this week, I think it was actually just before this news hit, Google also, the latest version of the Google Photos app, at least on Android, um, actually has this option where you can teach it what's important in your own photos. So photos that's already scanned and, and logged, you can actually kind of go in and manually say, oh, the dog in this picture is important. Um, so, you know, they're not even like hiding the fact that they spend so much time looking at your photos. They're now asking their users to help their AI get so better at looking at their what photos. What is it about this is so special? Please tell me. So <laughs> yeah. I can sell you adverts around that later on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like the, the free storage, five gig, I think, has is, is always been, or for a while now, has been the, the iCloud default free amount. Yeah. Um, and then 15 gig on, on Google, but that is across multiple services. I feel like for most users who use anything Google related probably will have already eaten most of that up. Um, there, there's also a tool uh, for this kind of 
transitionary period uh, that they're rolling out, which predicts based on your current like upload usage um, and your available space, how how long your remaining space will last you in terms of photos and videos. So um, I saw someone, uh, Tommy Gaddis boy, uh, he posted that apparently his 100 gig plan should do him for three years of subsequent uploads uh, before he I caps that I think he out. was on the two terabyte plan. Oh, it was he? Oh, <laughs> I well, saw well, that screenshot on. as well. He was on the two terabyte. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say three years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust that for a second. Uh, you know, and the way just mobile content is going specifically, because that's where most of these photos are probably going to come from. We're going to see more and more video going up to the cloud, I imagine, just the and, way trends are. Yeah, and camera uh, photo sizes are going to get bigger. So I, I, it's only one thing I can imagine is that this might spur some people to start saying, well, I might as well start storing them in original quality rather than high quality because I'm paying thought. for the space anyway. Yeah, but you will then eat, and that's what I do, because I'm paying for the 100 gig, I have everything back up in original quality because I'm like, I might as well use it and get it. But it eats through that storage. Yeah, there is a caveat that, um, you know, when the Google Pixel originally launched, one of the big hooks was that you could store photos taken on it in original quality, not just high quality, forever, and not have a limit on that amount of storage, which is pretty great. They then rescinded that a few years later. I think it was Pixel 3, maybe, that, that stops. That feels right. Um, uh, but now what they're saying is any devices, Pixel 1 up to Pixel 5, um, you don't have to worry about the cap that's coming into play in June 2021. So you can take high quality photos as much as you like, and they won't count towards your cap. Any other Android device or iOS device, it does. So there is still a kind of tiny benefit there to, to being a, a Pixel user um, in terms of using Google Photos, but it's like, I mean, it's, it's all right, but I feel like they've kind of just taken away the most appealing aspect of Google Photos, period, despite how good it's got in other, other ways. It's devalued it a lot, for sure. There's, I'm... I think the best kind of critical argument I've seen around this uh, was someone making the point that this feels a lot like Google used its sheer size and industry status to basically offer a product for free that no competitor could match. Mm -hmm. Basically, the only company out there that could afford to match them was Apple, and it's not Apple's way to really hand that out for free, so Apple wouldn't. Google used that to then muscle out a load of other cloud storage options to make everyone just default to using Google Photos because well, why not? It's the free one. Uh, it's just as good, but you don't pay a penny. And now everyone's kind of built in. And so now they can put the price in after six, seven years or whatever it's been. And it, people are more likely to just suck it up. And some of the companies that could have been competitors or were competitors just are no longer in a position to compete there because Google kind of forced them out, which is, you know, a bit rubbish. I mean, who starts to benefit the most in terms of the big rivals? Like, do you think uh, iCloud, like people are going to invest more in iCloud, or do you think it's going to be Amazon because they still offer a free service right now, like a free unlimited service for photos? Who do you think is going to be like the the next alternative? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I think Apple feels like the obvious winner because, as Lewis was saying, if before if you were an iPhone user, you had a good reason to use Google regardless. It now looks like if you feel like you're going to be paying anyway, why would any Apple user not just use iCloud, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's going to become the default again for Apple people. I think you're right that if you're built into the ecosystem, you'll stay with it. I don't think there's going to be a huge rush to leave. But I, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think if, if you're coming to this new, if you're somebody that's just bought a new iPhone, then that process that we used to go through where we go, well, do we want to just use Google Photos because we can store more and it's free and all the rest of it, that's no longer going to be the case. So, yeah, I think you're gradually getting more iPhone users. I, I use iCloud and I pay. Um, and I do I do wonder how much money, I've said this before, but I wonder how much money companies get from just being annoying. You know, when, they, when you get all those um, those little pop-ups that say you're almost running out of storage and just go, oh. And eventually, I just I just paid the seventy nine p a month to put it up from five gig to fifty gig. Um, oh, totally. That's that's where I got with Google. They were yeah. I, I ran up against my free storage. They kind of they offered me some very sluggish, irritating tools to <laughs> clear out my storage. This was a few years ago. In fairness, mm. I think they're better now. Having looked at them today, but they offered me some awkward ways of clearing space, and I just went. Oh, for a pound fifty a month, I get a hundred gig. Like I'm willing to pay a pound fifty a month yeah. to put off the job of sorting through every photo I've ever taken oh, and yeah. deciding which <laughs> I want to keep. 
And it's a, isn't it just, I think in the UK, it's like a pound more for double that for 200 gigs. So yeah, well, I was looking the other day and I was like, well, when I fill out this 100 gig, and I guess I'll just get the 200 gig. I'm it's sorry. an extra pound a I'm, month. Fine. I'm already on the 200 gig plan on iCloud. Yeah. <laughs> I have been for a while. <laughs> How close are you to filling that? Uh, I'm about 50 gig away. So, oh, well, okay. well, so yeah. I've done a fair, a fair solid, you know, chunk of the storage. Yeah. It's just, it's my pictures and my photos. I think I've got over 30,000 photos now. Um, yeah, well over two thousand videos. And uh, if you're doing this, this Dolby Vision iPhone 12 stuff, like yeah, say, that yeah, must eat. Say goodbye. Up, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, gonna have to go for the one terabyte soon, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, to to sort of soften the edge on all this, Google's position was that I think it said eighty percent of users won't ever actually hit the fifteen gig cap anyway. So it kind of said the average person basically. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I maybe not now, but sometime. They sometime. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. They they seem to be of the opinion that for most people it wouldn't matter. And actually, one thing worth saying, I'm not sure if I said earlier when I was explaining it, they did clarify that this kicks in from June next year, but also any photos and videos uploaded before that date are still free. Yeah. So upload as much as you can before now, between now and June. Uh, you know, if you've you've been harboring plans to go shoot a feature film on your iPhone on your phone, like go no, and do that by June, <laughs> get it uploaded into Google. There is another cheeky caveat to that, which is once that June date kicks in, um, even photos that have already been uploaded, if you edit them from within Google Photos and those changes synchronize mm. across the servers, that can then count towards. Oh, that's a new file at that point. I, I guess so, or it's yeah. been updated so that the last, like, yeah. you know, last amended date changes, and so it goes, ah, well, it's over the threshold now. So you have to be very careful. Look at them, but don't touch. <laughs> Once they're up there, that's the only way to keep hold of your, your storage without, yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit crazy. In terms of the figures, you were saying 80% there. I have to try to find it on their actual blog, but I think it was, it was like one trillion photos in... Was that like a week? Something insane. The amount of photos that people upload. Anyone else get this? I, I didn't see that number, no. Oh, yeah. Today, more than 4 trillion photos are stored in Google Photos, and every week, 28 billion new photos and videos are uploaded. A week. Yeah. I mean, they must have just hit, you know, fair play to them. They must have just hit the point where they, they're burning money running their service yeah, sure. for free, presumably. There just can't be enough people coughing up for the paid storage. And they must be devoting, you know, colossal server racks to storing people's photos. And I guess for a while that was because the data they got from them was worth it. Like you said, Lewis, they're they're looking through everything. So maybe that was enough. And maybe for whatever reason they've decided it's no longer uh they've got their info now. It's not it's not useful, it's not useful to yeah. them. Yeah, right. So they've trained the algorithm. They uh, <laughs> know what dogs look like now. <laughs> <laughs> they've got dogs nailed. They can tell the difference between my black and white cat, my other black and white cat, and my mother-in-law's black and white cat. But they can they can tell, which That's, is it's kind so of crazy good at that. Yeah. I will say my, my parents have two hours and every now and then one of them comes up as cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're basically <laughs> I can't fault them too much for that. No. Yeah, I guess we just need to wait till they they adopt holographic storage, and then we'll be good. Then I'll bring back the free unlimited because <laughs> you know it only takes like a cube this big to store like England's data, and a cube this big for America. Like... <laughs> and a few uh, years off. Yeah. So <laughs> Google Photos is you know, it's it's not great news if you're a regular Google Photos user, but honestly, I think this won't affect most people. It will prob but on the other hand, the sort of person who's watching or listening to this, you are probably more likely to be affected than most. Yeah. <laughs> um, so check your Google storage. They do have a good a few good tools to just check how much you're storing, what it's made up of, how much of that is Gmail, how much of that is other files. And you can kind of get a sense of when it hits June, is this going to start causing problems for you really quickly or not? Yeah, I think um, the lead time is respectable. Yeah, that's one thing I, do, I would like to commend. Like, it, it, this is maybe bad news for a lot of people, but it's seven months they have noticed yes, they've given. Seven. Like, that's plenty of time to go, you know, find out what alternatives are out there, switch to iCloud, back everything up, um, or, or do whatever you want to do. Uh, so, that is this week's news done. We wanted to turn this week in the sort of the absence of any big announcements. So I know there are going to be some next week when I have a bit more news to talk about next week. This week we thought we turned to something a bit more sort of perennial, which is the question of what makes a perfect phone and what would be 
the perfect phone. We obviously talk about phones obsessively on this show. Uh, anyone who listens or not, will, a lot will probably know we like small phones. We like high refresh rates. Uh, we like fast charging, hence the name, uh, and obviously cameras, but that's everyone these days. But I, we kind of wanted to basically have this idea that we're each going to build these sort of Frankenstein monsters of, of phones cribbing cribbing parts from different devices to figure out what, what would make the best of everything. Uh, Lewis, I think this was your idea, so I'm going to make you go first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been thinking about this nonstop all day. I was out on my dog walk at lunch, and I was like, what is this going to be? And I think I've come to just about a decision. Um, okay, so let's talk uh, about my Frankenstein phone. So mm-hmm. general design, I think I'm going to go with the Galaxy Fold 2, because... Oh. If I'm going to go lavish, I might as well go full lavish. I wasn't thinking about foldables. Yeah, me neither. I'm considering everything now. Boom, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I go with the, the general design of Galaxy Fold 2. I really like the, the bigger outside display. I like the, the huge inside display. Mm-hmm. I want that with, uh, do you know, I'm not going to be greedy. I'll go with 90 hertz. <laughs> 90 hertz refresh rate. I'm not going to go 120 or 144 because you've got it. You've got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, 90 hertz refresh rate. Um, crucially, I want it to run iOS because I just, I need iOS. I need the I need the Apple ecosystem. I need all of that goodness in my life. But with the mm-hmm. caveat that I also want, see, I thought about this a lot. I also want the ability from Huawei Share to mirror my iPhone on my computer. Nice. That is such a nice little thing. Yeah. What would that OS be called? iFold OS? <laughs> if it has to transition between iPad and iPhone. That's quite a good one, actually. <laughs> uh, we're going to trademark that now in case Apple actually yeah. does. Yeah, uh, it's, it's actually Tim, 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 yeah. Tim. Uh, and then obviously I'm going to have to go with Huawei cameras because Huawei cameras, yeah, yeah, don't beat them really. Mm. Beat them. Interesting. Uh, and then round it off with a with whatever battery it is in the Xiaomi Mi 10T Pro because <laughs> that thing lasted 14 hours on our battery benchmark test and that, that is mad. an absolute beast. And then finally, top it all off with just a healthy bit of 65 watt fast charging. You know, keep it away from the wall for a while. And <laughs> That is my Frankenstein phone. Nice. Pretty good. <laughs> Probably cost about five grand, but there we are. <laughs> anyone in the comments, anyone watching or listening, if you've got like Photoshop skills, send <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, if you want to whip one of these up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've already had a comment saying the perfect phone should run iOS and Android. Uh, Dual Boo, which actually would be, would be quite tempting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I might as well go next because I think mine is actually, having had this foldable spanner in the works, <laughs> my answer is kind of similar to Lewis's. Ooh. Uh, not the Z Fold 2. I would take the Galaxy Z Flip body. You love the Z Flip. Uh, I love the Z Flip. <laughs> I would keep it actually in the purple finish that the, the Z Flip came in because nice. yeah. that was absolutely beautiful. Um, software-wise, this is where we definitely differ. I would go Oxygen OS, uh, OnePlus's Android nice, skin. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I think especially with the Android 11 enhancements, that stepped it up a notch, fixed some of the little irritations, like no, uh, um, always on display, though that may not help me much with the Z Flip. But there's little <laughs> touches like that. I like Oxygen OS a lot. It is always always my favorite Android skin to use long term. Camera-wise, I'm very on the fence between cribbing whatever's in the latest, like Huawei Mate, or going for Apple's Pro's cameras, because I actually tend to... I haven't tested one of the new uh, 12 series, but generally speaking, when I'm seeing people post all of their, like, here's a photo taken on the iPhone 12 and on the the, the latest Samsung and the latest Huawei, more often than not, I find myself looking at the iPhone 1 and going, yeah, I'd probably take that, actually. Um, and as a sort of Android devotee, that is hard for me to admit. Uh, but definitely Android software. Um, I guess if 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 I could get Android software running on an A14 Bionic, though, <laughs> that would be spicy. I feel like that would fly. Yeah. Um, though I guess it would need it would need Android RAM, not not Apple RAM, because uh, yeah. You know, so you, you I probably take something like that for display. I think I would go all out and go 120 hertz. I would probably want the screen to basically be the same display quality in the Oppo Find X2 Pro. Nice. Um, which I think is my color. favorite display I've used. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, high refresh, 10-bit color, high resolution. You can do all of that running at the same time. It's not like Samsung where you've got to switch different bits on or off. Um, obviously, uh, in the foldable form factor. And yeah, I think 65 watt charging is a nice sweet spot. Yeah. Um, you can, I know there's the the you know, rumblings of the 90 watts and 100 watts out there, but 
you know, we're getting steady there. 65 is good enough. For me. <laughs> exactly. David, you want to go next? Yeah. Um, you, so you think I'm just going to choose an iPhone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is based on an iPhone. <laughs> so I've been thinking that mine isn't so much like Frankenstein. It's more like um, like a sort of cyber, like a post-human thing where you take one person and then you just add some bits on. So mm-hmm. it's definitely, definitely at its heart, it's an iPhone. But I'm thinking that things I'm not happy about for an iPhone are basically the battery and the ports. Yeah. Um, so and it may sound like I've just heard of this phone for the first time today because <laughs> I read it on. <laughs> There's a phone you guys were writing about that had um, a battery capacity of 10,000 milliamp hours called the yeah. Doogie S88 Pro. <laughs> oh, one of those I love that yeah. that's where you went with this. Yeah, it's like a cheap I thought, yes, please. I thought, yes, please, I'll have that. Yeah. yeah. Now, I do understand that it's a very big phone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to make my iPhone. It's an iPhone 12 Pro body, by the way. It's okay. the start. And then okay. we're going to make it like two of them stuck together like a folding thing. Nice. Um, and this yeah. might be, and again. Kind of like an LG then. <laughs> well, I think the Huawei Mate XS would uh-huh. suit my my specifications. Okay. That's yeah. the sort of fold I want. Um, not the clamshell, not the, um, you said the flip, didn't you, Dom? Yeah, the, I don't the, want the flip's what I like, yeah. Exactly. Um, so we got that. Then the charging speed of the Asus ROG Phone 2. I know it's yeah. only 30 watts. Not, that's not a big thing for you, but for me, that's big. But oh, I yeah. particularly want the reverse charging it comes with, which we, uh, yeah. we mm. have been promised on the iPhone 12 Pro, but isn't the possible possibility at the moment. I want reverse charging. Well, you could maybe get faster charging with the setup you're talking about because you've got two batteries in your bits because you've got this folding design. And part of the way they've managed to get much faster uh, charging speeds, I think in the new new ROG phone, but I might be misspeaking there, but a couple phones have done this where basically because they have two cells, they just throw 30 watts at each of them essentially to get a kind of 60 watt charging speeds. All right, yeah, let's have that then. So we'll have 60 watts. Now it's up to 60 watts. Um, I want a USB-C port. Oh, yeah. And I also want, uh, I want not just one headphone port, but there's a phone that our colleague, uh, Ed, uh, our former colleague, I should oh, say, Ed yeah. used to, the Marshall, Marshall phone. Marshall one, yeah, yeah. Marshall London, which has two headphone ports. Ooh. So I think that would that would appeal, that you'd have the USB-C port in the middle and then a headphone port either side. I don't like it being on the top like on the Marshall London. I'd still mm. want them to be on the bottom, but I like the idea of having two headphone ports just because I'm sick of not having any at all and having two seams. <laughs> <seems perfect. laughs> that That's awesome. Fair, just in case. Just to show and up. While we're at it, while we're at it, I want the um, the Marshall London also has a headphone, they call it a headphone, a volume roller, like a, yes. like a metal one yeah. that you get mm. on like an electric guitar or something. And I'll have that as well. So nice. that's 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 the full thing. I quite like that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like unorthodox, and but I really do. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, iOS with any what iPadOS sensibilities or like split screen multitasking. If it's a big phone, like how big are we talking? Uh, so it's the so it's effectively so it's two i it's two iPhone twelve Pros and it opens horizontally. What I don't like about this, I, w- I will say, because I just like I like the idea of a folding phone, but mm. it would give you a it would give you essentially a square screen when mm. when it's unfolded you guys must have all tried this out and i'm not completely clear on how use useful that is because if you oh, at first i saw it and i thought that'd be great for watching films but you're still going to have major letterboxing aren't you if you're yeah. watching a yeah. film on essentially a square screen you get letterboxing um, it makes apps like instagram tend to look pretty janky and weird instagram doesn't work on anything other than like a portrait rectangle yeah. like that's it uh, Samsung likes to throw out on the fold line that you can do three apps windowed. So usually they, they show, show like two kind of squarish apps and then one long portrait app next to it. And that's typically how they show off that kind of square aspect ratio to its fullest, which I could see some value in depending on the apps. Does anyone actually yeah. use that? Like any kind of split screen tech? Like I never anything? multitask on any uh, phones. I, I do. I do. Uh, usually I've got like YouTube and then Slack underneath. If I'm really? not at my desk, that actually does. I have done that in lockdown quite a bit. It's quite good. Yeah, drink on the them. iPad, I think it's very handy, especially if you use the magic keyboard, but that's sure. a different thing altogether. Anyway, we're getting yeah. a little bit off, off topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, uh, for, so yeah, totally. Give us, give us a go. What's your? I mean, for the most point? part, the, the same kind of like uh, the usual suspects keep cropping up between the three of you. Uh, although David, I think Marshall was a pretty left field option. That I really, mm, really dig yeah. you went for that. As, as with Doogie, um, or Doogie, I still don't know how you say it. Out there. <laughs> I've only ever seen it written down. Um, yeah, yeah my, my in my head, I think the looking at the current smartphone prop, um, not going too high in the sky. Uh, the Mate 40 Pro, I think that design is really nice. I really dig that design. I yeah. love the kind of Apple iPod click wheel camera. <laughs> um, I love the the pearlescent white with the kind of rainbow haze finish at the back. Yeah. Uh, I would probably go for a, a flatter display, not rounded edges, like the 40 and the 30 both did. So closer, I guess, in, in true to an iPhone. Um, I was going to say 865 Plus for the processor, but then you said A14. So I kind of, yeah, I'd go for A14, same as you've done, really. A14 yeah. with extra RAM would be great. And I would actually be okay, I think, with iOS now that they brought in file, the Files app and, and that's kind of part of the deal now. And I'm not really, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't really mind that much. Um, so long as I have the option to move my WhatsApps between Android and iOS, that's like a <laughs> thing that I've wanted forever. Yeah. But that's besides the point, yeah. So, um, be nice. yeah. Uh, and also from what I've seen about the iPhone 12 cameras, I think I'm going to go for those over, say, the Huawei cameras or, or anyone else's. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so iOS, iPhone cameras, iPhone processor, Huawei design, uh, the, Mi, the Mi 10 Ultras, 120, what was it, 120 watt charging? Because oh, it is a thing. Yeah, I want the charging. I'd go with a 5,000 mAh battery because I, I don't want it to be too thick. And I've yeah. seen some phones yeah. that can do that. Uh, let's say with a screen size of 6.5 inch, but with 21 by 9, that should be kind of oh, that's, yeah, yeah. tall and thin, so it shouldn't be too crazy to hold oh. in one hand. Um, and then, yeah, headphone jack. I've got so many. I'm fine with wireless headphones. I think I could, I could uh, yeah, do without. But I would say wireless charging for sure, as fast as I can get it. Um, that was the thing I was realizing. I forgot to say fast wireless charging because yeah, I, I, I have like 10 watt chargers dotted around, but it's it's nice when you can get those kind of super fast speeds off of wireless yes yeah. that's, that's a real treat yeah uh the display quality of the, the oppo is is a no-brainer as well because yeah. it's just that good um although i did love the oneplus 7 pro was probably the last big oneplus flagship i reviewed and that screen was cool. also very good nice. also very good <laughs> uh yeah so for the most part it's a, a huawei iphone mashup but with a, a few jammy tweaks here and a few oppo tweaks there so it's, it's probably a chinese iphone hmm. i guess so you were <laughs> what I, I like <laughs> I'm interested because compared to the other three of us, you weren't tempted by a foldable. No, no, I, I just don't. Uh, yeah, there's nothing about the foldable experience, at least the, the kind of tablety foldables like the Galaxy Z Fold, um, that I think really works yet. Uh, the stuff that TCL's done with some of their concept things, like the rollable one where you can kind of pull it out, that appeals more to me. But until yeah, there's a product is. that yeah. exists where I can go that route, then I think, yeah. Um, and I loved the Mate XS um, that you guys both mentioned, mm. but at the same time, I still have issues with the, the the material and how durable that would be in real world use over time in your pocket being always exposed and you can't put a screen protector on it. That would really help. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah, until that happens, I'm actually happy with a, a candy bar just with a really good quality display. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's why I like the clamshell, the, you know, Z Flip or, or Razer style, yeah. like it, I didn't. I haven't used a razor for any serious time, but I had the Z Flip for a week or so, and it felt very sturdy. It felt very solid. I didn't really worry about it. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think just something about having a phone that I can fold down to be that tiny little square in my pocket was was very very satisfying to me. And I really appreciated not having a big bulky phone that kind of juts up into my <laughs> into my ribs when I was sitting down and stuff like that. You know. I just have to show you this stylized TikTok <laughs> of, a, of a flip that I saw earlier. That it's a it's Pokemon, which is great, but also they've got like a parallax wallpaper, Amazing. and it looks like a Game Boy Advance SP. Yeah, oh, look I'm, at that. That's so cool. Maybe that's where it comes from. <laughs> I'm just an old Game Boy Advance SP. That's what I, want. Like, I love the SP. Uh, <laughs> that's why I like the, 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 the foldable razor, the first one from last year. They actually mm. had a skin on it that turned it into the old school razor. Oh, that was great, the, yeah. With the T-Bone yeah. keyboard on it and the old school display on it. I was like, yeah, I want that. Just give me the old razor. Why am I even spending so much money on the foldable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not really, I don't think foldables are ready for, for my, my preferences yet. So, yeah, I'll just take a really solid um, candy bar. Mm -hmm. Cool. All yeah. right. 
we got a bit of a spread there actually i was worried we were all going to settle on the exact same thing is that it? yeah but uh no okay i think there's some interesting stuff there uh, I, I I suspect no manufacturers are about to take note and start partnering up, but you know we'll so we're, we're heading to Kickstarter next week, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a Hackintosh, off. maybe we can get like a I don't know an iPhone, yeah, yeah, an, an iPhone in a Huawei body, who knows? And actually, to be fair, that is the one common element we have all cribbed something from both Apple and Android. None of us stayed entirely in either ecosystem. I mean, for Apple, as much as I suggested, that would be hard because there's fewer devices to pick from, but. Mm it would be very easy to just build something entirely out of Android devices, but all of us took something from Apple. Yeah. Which is telling. Uh, <laughs> okay, that is us for this week. Uh, thank you, Lewis and Toddy and David for making, I think, your live debut. Ooh. Exciting. Uh, we will be back next week. I'm pretty confident one of the things we can talk about next week is the Realme 7 5G, because mm. that was announced today, and there's a proper live stream launch event next week. So we will have stuff to say about that. An actual new phone launching. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Oh, and I won't be here next week because next Thursday is the day the PlayStation 5 comes out. And I will be sitting around in my pants playing video games all day rather than podcasting for your entertainment. Uh, also so in your pants. Oh, I mean, also <laughs> in my pants, generally speaking, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you'll all have to make do without me, I'm afraid. Yeah, and so me, Lewis, I'm also going to be playing PlayStation. Are you as well? okay. I am. <laughs> so next week it'll just be me. Uh... <laughs> Toddy doing a nice monologue about the Realme yeah. 7 5G. I mean, that helps. You're the one who's who's covering it, so you the can real just. Real me or uh... not a real me? That is the question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if that doesn't sound too awful, then come back next week. Uh... <laughs> Thank you to everyone. Thank you everyone who's watched live and uh, everyone who's listening, obviously. And yeah, stay tuned and hit like and subscribe and all that. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye.